Yes, and here we are again talking to Monica, Monica Rogan, um, uh, who has her own company that we've interviewed her several times before, she and her husband, um, Goodnow Farms, um, and uh, Chocolate, but we're talking to her about a particular different subject right this time, which is the uh, FCIA, which stands for Fine Chocolate Industry Association, or what? Yes, that's exactly it, the Fine Chocolate Industry Association. Okay, um, and they've come out with a chocolate glossary, which I never even knew we needed, but I guess apparently we did. Is this something new, or is it um, an expansion or a revision or what, the glossary? Yeah, no. So it's, um, it is something new. So the Fine Chocolate Industry Association, it's a, it's a group of all people interested in fine chocolate, um, you know, promoting the artistry and craftsmanship, um, of chocolate, and we have more than 350 members. Um, you know, there are chocolate yeah, makers. Yeah, it's a lot, actually. We have chocolate yeah. makers, chocolatiers. We have cacao farmers, growers, producers, um, you know, supply, suppliers of um, equipment, um, partners in sourcing, um, so all types of people in packaging and everything. Um, so we have an interesting uh, membership. Um, so we're all in it to support the fine chocolate industry and growth. And what we did a few years ago was um, one of our, our committees, we have different committees in fine FCIA, it's the value chain committee. We really wanted to understand our membership and understand where they were, what we all want. And when we polled members, we were asking them questions about you know what their relationships were, what they did in the industry. And we realized that it was really difficult to, you know, write questions that were clear and to communicate because there, everyone has different terms and ways of defining things. And our membership really is worldwide. So, um, you know, through this exercise, we realized um, there isn't, you know, a common, you know, glossary for terms in fine chocolate. And we all use terms, you know, it's really important to communicate for us with consumers, and so there was confusion with consumers among our industry members, and we really were, um, were losing opportunities. So we realized oh, we needed to come together and create you know, a common language, and that's what the glossary is. Now, well, that's now, great. Monica, what, this, this is quite an adventure, but making chocolate in the hither yons of Massachusetts <laughs> is also a so, somewhat different view of the world. That's true. It is. It is a different view of the world, yes. And what was the question? It wasn't the, it wasn't the question so much as it was seeking amplification for, for why Monica and her husband and their friends embarked on this rather crazy scheme. Well, now sure. they're from all over. But go ahead. You explain then, Monica. Sure. So, yeah, you're right. It is, it is kind of crazy. My husband and I, we, um, we make you know, single-origin fine-flavored chocolate, and we really focus on um, you know, making the best quality and tasting chocolate we can and being completely transparent and traceable in the process and educating people about why different origins are unique and how to appreciate things. Um, and we're small batch makers. You know, our production is you know vastly under 100,000 bars annually, and we have a different setup. Oh we're bean to bar makers. We have a different setup than other you know bean to bar companies, and other industrial chocolate companies, and other chocolatiers. Um, 
everyone is unique. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to, to making chocolate. But what we all did realize was that even though we're different, we still need to have an understanding about how to communicate so that we really can talk to the public and share, um, share, you know, share our story so that people aren't confused when they're buying chocolate and they understand what they're doing. Um, you know, they're, a large portion of the, the general public is interested in buying fine chocolate. Um, actually, there was a um, survey that the, confectioner, the National Confectioners Association did in 2021, and they found that over 30% of the general public said that they enjoy buying fine chocolate. That's a large portion of the public. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if they enjoy fine chocolate, and if we didn't have a common language for communicating, there must be a lot of confusion, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, some of the terms that, you know, people use regularly that hadn't been defined yet in the industry are what's traceable, what is transparent, what even is bean to bar, that definition has evolved. And that's actually something Tom and I defined. Um, and we were happy to do that. We volunteered. And many people in the Fine Chocolate Industry Association uh, volunteered because they're the experts in chocolate. They volunteered based on their experience and um, and they define definitions, and we've published them. And there's an amazing glossary. If you go to the FCIA website, you can click on the glossary section, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, you've got you, you know, all these options for, for terms that have been already defined, and then you can see the terms that we will be defining. Um, and we're interested in having perspectives of you know, the fine chocolate community. And this is really a resource that the public can use to learn more about what is chocolate, um, you know, to dispel any um, confusion. Um, and this is also a resource for students, for other fellow chocolatiers, chocolate makers, um, people in the industry. Um, and you know, we're really excited that this is a group effort and this is a totally volunteer-based definition effort. And it's something that we can all uh, you know, do together. Now, tell us a little bit about who's responding and giving you suggestions or definitions. Sure. Um, so, so far, we've, um, we've gotten responses from different FCIA members. Different chocolate makers have responded and defined terms. Um, chocolatiers have defined terms. We have educators, um, professors at universities that have defined terms. We have agronomists. Um, we have different people that specialize in agricultural um, endeavors that have defined terms, people that are, um, for lack of a better word, chocolate sommeliers. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've got a, a variety of people. We have, um, you know, even cacao farmers that have contributed based on their experience and their defining terms as well. And, you know, different people have different perspectives, and that's what's really cool about the glossary. Um, we're really trying to be um, inclusive and get different perspectives of people uh, around the world that represent our membership. Um, because a cacao farmer in you know, a small you know, village in Guatemala, you know, a small shareholder farmer is very different than a larger um, family farm in, I don't know, what do you want to say, Colombia or in Africa. Or um, you know, experiences are different. Um, and everything, and even the way you call the the bean that all chocolate is made from, cacao or cocoa. Is it cacao bean or cocoa bean? <laughs> it's really true, and there's actually, that's a great term that was defined, and there's a great discussion about it. You know, I encourage people to, to go visit the glossary and see for themselves. 
you know, and give us the the directions on that that you have a URL to start with, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can go to I think it's just chocolateglossary.com. So um, chocolateglossary.com, and uh, put that in your search bar, hit enter, and then up comes the FCIA's Chocolate Glossary of Charms. And you've got a on the page you have. You know, all the letters A through Z, you can click on a letter and see what terms are available. Um, or you can keep on going down and understand our process. Uh, we were totally transparent about our process because we wanted people to understand what this, what this is, how we got here, um, and how it's a work in progress. You know, this is, as I said before, this is totally volunteer um, populated. And it's also, um, it's hard to manage. You know, this is actually something that there is a lot of thought put into this by the the group, the, the you know, the the committee through FCIA and also we worked with a consultant, um, an architect who helped us design the glossary, Dr. Leslie. And um, you know, people put a lot of effort and time and thought into this to make sure that it was um, valid and people you know, could understand it and feel comfortable with it. And you can see that structure here. But it's a work in progress, and we're always looking to grow. Explain what, I mean, just give us some idea of the process. I mean, uh, say, what what would I want to find out? Um, I don't know, say, I, I want to know about chocolate nib. Sure. And after I send you that, I send you that online. Is that the deal? Yeah, so if you were interested in, in understanding what a cocoa nib is, a chocolate nib or a nib, cocoa what you nib, do yeah. is you go to the website, thechocolateglossary.com, and you'd go to, I don't know, click on the N and see if nib is there. Let's look. Mm, I don't see nib. Maybe that would be under chocolate nib or cocoa nib. Um, yeah, probably and I'm not seeing it yet, but you know maybe it's part of cocoa or cacao, um, explaining what that is. Um, but actually, if you wanted to look, maybe there's a search bar which is really cool. Instead of doing the long way that I was just doing it, you could just type in nib into the search bar and hit uh -huh. search, and I'd be actually it comes right up. Um, so I did it the long, <laughs> circuitous way. Um, you could just type in nib, and search results show that there's um, you know roasted or roasting nib or cacao nibs. And we actually don't have those terms uh, defined yet as entries. I mean, the term nib is referenced in definitions in the glossary, but those are nibs that have not yet been defined. But they will so, be defined. Yeah, but so what, so what happens next? So I, I put in something like nib, and it's not defined. And, okay. and it's not on there. So what happens now? Do you have a committee dealing with this, or what do you do? Yeah, so... There is a committee. There is a value chain committee, and that is one of the committees of the FCIA organization, and they meet on a regular basis. And it's taken um, almost three years to get to this point. <laughs> so wow. this, has been, this has been a long process, and it hasn't been done behind closed doors. This has been something like this is all volunteer run. You know, a lot of people have been part of this group getting to this point, um, and what we've done is we've established the structure of the glossary. It's online. We've, you know, hashed out what are the general terms that we feel should be defined within the industry. We've got a couple hundred of them. 
Um, and we have you know, so many defined right now. I think we've got about 30 to 40 currently defined. Um, and what happens now is the, the, the structure is in place. The initial, you know, the initial everything is in place, so we have to move forward and define more terms. So meet on a regular basis, figure out that we are figuring out the structure for how we are going to approach how many terms we're defining each quarter, um, the review process, um, and also, you know, it's, it's, it's not like one person is saying this is the rule and this is how we do it. It's all of us contributing and figuring out best practices based on our experience. So but you cannot just go because there's all that fuss over what's that other one you go to for the, the definitions of people and stuff and events. Um, oh, I can't remember. But anyhow, um, people go and post on it, but not oh. everybody agrees. Yes. So I think you – are you referencing Wikipedia? Yeah, Wikipedia. I mean, you, they say you can go and add things, but then people get upset and say it's not true. Yeah. So I think Wikipedia is an awesome, you know, forum for for explaining things. And you're you're right. Um, people can, I think, contribute to the definitions based on their experience. Um, and I think that can cause some some dissension. For this, since this is um, about fine chocolate, and we want to. Uh, we want to understand, we want to make sure that the people contributing to the definitions do truly have experience and understanding of the terms. So this is something that is um, a public resource. People can access it, but the contributors are people that actually have experience or um, uh, you know, authority in the subject matter. So, so you vet all out. these people that are sending you ideas and suggestions. Yeah, yeah, our, our FCIA committee does. Um, so we really encourage people to, you know, contribute. We want we want their voices heard, but it's also really important to make sure that um, that they do have experience with fine chocolate and the way that our industry organization views it, um, and that we can, you know, support we can support it. So yes. What What are some of the most controversial terms? that people use um, in, about fine chocolates that you're trying to sort through? Well, I mean, I think, I think any term can be controversial, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially when it's not defined. So, um, and I'll, you know, one term that's controversial is what is, what is chocolate? You know, the USDA defines it as, you know, the scientific way of what the ingredients entail. But, you know, there's chocolate makers and, you know, there's chocolate makers. Like, I'm a chocolate maker because I, you know, make chocolate, you know, starting with the bean. I'm a bean-to-bar chocolate maker. But also chocolatiers um, make chocolate bars, and they're chocolate makers as well. So I think that there's – I mean, this glossary is really trying to clarify terms so that people, you know, understand how to talk to each other and, you know, and that there's less dissension and more harmony and more ability to grow the market. Well, I mean, it's it's a really diverse group of people. I find the chocolate makers of the chocolate industry are the most interesting makers of, of any specialty food. I mean, they're all from different walks of life, and you know, I mean, it's just an amazing sort of people. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. You've got very creative, passionate people, um, you know, variety of different backgrounds uh, because, you know, chocolate is an art and a science, and it's really interesting. And it's still developing. It's still, you know, even with craft chocolate, it's such a new novel industry that was only possible within the past 30 years. So it's pretty exciting. Wow. I mean, it, it seems like an enormous undertaking. I, I I'd like to sit in the room while you, you folks meet and discuss these suggestions. Yes. You're right. <laughs> it, it is an enormous undertaking. It's true. And that's why it's taken so long to get here. And that's why, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer to get the next terms defined because we want to make sure that we're doing it right and that we want other people to feel heard and represented and that you know, this is something that we want people to view as an authority and a source, and we want to make sure that, um, that you know, we do it in a way that is, you know, that's just transparent, traceable, clear, there are no questions, and that we let it, you know, evolve as needed. So, um, you know, that's what life is. It's evolution, and this is just part of it. Now, the, f- the, funny, the funny thing is, whether you've come across solved this one I don't know but in in Europe the majority of the if you like the, the uh, real large scale manufacturers of chocolate like Belgium and Switzerland mm-hmm. they, they look down their noses at chocolate made in my home country England <laughs> Hmm. Well, you've got some great chocolate makers in England. Is there, is there, some, is there some, yeah. somehow they're saying, but that's really so it can't be chocolate? <laughs> no, that's not well, accurate. Well, there are people who don't agree that white chocolate is chocolate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There are some people that believe that. Yeah. <laughs> well, You're you not one of them, to... I can tell. <laughs> you know, I think that there's, I mean, there's black and white and gray, and I believe in gray. So I think that there's room for everyone, and I think that um, there are different ways to express things. And um, and I don't know. I think that I'm excited to see where this takes us, and I'm excited to see who else wants to get involved. You know, we're actively looking for, for um, people to join the fine chocolate industry to help us with projects like this, because this is really important. You know, we need this common language to allow our industry to grow. Um, and well, yeah, how do you even communicate that so many um, people in the industry are independent and far-flung? How do you communicate to this community, to the industry itself? That's a really great question, um, and actually it's been evolving. So FCIA started a while ago, maybe, you know, I don't know, was it 10 years ago? And it started as just basically a networking organization, um, and it has been growing, and it has changed during COVID too. So where we were primarily focused before on, you know, in-person events and, and, and what networking, we're trying to see where do we fit now in the world of fine chocolate and how can we add value to our members. Um, and this is one of the projects, the gl- chocolate glossary was something that we thought would re- was really important, was needed, and something that we could help with. So this is the first of many projects that we feel that will take our, our industry organization into the future. Do you, do you think Mr. Link would approve? <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> well... I mean, it must be, must be really nice for him to sit back and reflect and say, I, invent, I invented this. 
<laughs> mm, mm, yes, he did do a lot for chocolate. That is absolutely true. Um, uh, we wouldn't be here without some of his his discoveries. So um, we're very grateful for that. Um, but you know, it's it's exciting. There's still discoveries being made. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think you're probably going to have to develop the, the network concept even more broadly because your tasks are broader than where you started. It's so, I mean, true. You're going to have to draw all kinds of other people into the uh, your network. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah. And you so. know what? That's very appropriate because chocolate is multifaceted, and there are so many people that are involved in the whole chocolate making process, the choc- you know, growing, processing, creation, um, you know, what else you do with chocolate, packaging, you know, messaging. There's, you know, there's so much. Like it, it there truly is a ch- chocolate ecosystem. You know, so yeah. I think that it's very appropriate that we involve other people as well. Um, and also, it's really important to let, you know, to be able to understand things better and to communicate it better. So, and what you were saying, how are we going to grow our network? Um, the organization has changed. and We do a lot more virtually. So we have more meetings, you know, virtually in groups, um, committee meetings. We're finally, we're, we're really excited. We're having our, our annual get-together this June in New York at the Culinary, um, uh, Culinary Institute. And we're actually going to have a consumer-facing arm where we're, we're going to be having classes run by our industry members, letting consumers partake in you know, different types of, of confections or learning and, and chocolate making. And it's going to be really cool. So well, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really great. Huh. Maybe we should go to that. It's been a long that. time. We're really yeah. excited to go see each other, you know, see each other again and also communicate and talk to um, – you know, members of, you know, chocolate lovers. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is at the CIA? Yes, it will be at the CIA. Great, because they have a good mailing list to get the news out, yeah. Mm. Um, now, um, the the other thing is you said that um, your chocolate company, that your good now farms, has done a lot of stuff. Uh, why don't you drop me in email or two telling me what you've been up to so we can devote some time to, to catching up on that one too. Sure, I'd love to. That'd be great. great. Thanks, Anne. Well, I, I mean, I really think that you're in an exciting project and, and I hope you're having fun with it because it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> yes, yes, it is going to be a lot of work, but we're hoping to enlist more volunteers to define terms and we've got people that enjoy working together and are committed to the same common goal. And um, we're really excited that people are interested in hearing what we have to say. And, you know, we've had so many visitors to the glossary site, you know, up until now, and I'm just excited, you know, to get more terms defined so that we can, so we can have common language, you know. We all want to communicate and connect, right? Yes. Well, listeners, um, if you want more information on us, check out the uh, – the FCIA um, site itself, the website, and see if you can find out how, if you want to be involved more with um, this industry um, organization. Um, and, and, and good work for you, Monica Rogan, and um, Good Now Chocolates, and um, Good Now Farms, and uh, keep, keep us posted. 
on this glossary as well as the organization's development and your business, your new things in business. I'm sure you have a lot of new things. I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for being interested, and make sure you eat good chocolate, right? Yes. <laughs> we just got a whole line of, of uh, chocolate cherries, chocolate-covered oh, cherries. That yum. I mean, this poor woman, um, they told her it couldn't be done. You couldn't dry the chocolates. And you said, she has this huge business now. So yay for women in business. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Good. Monica. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Well, here we are, and we're going to be talking to Alec Vasha. Is that correctly pronounced, Alec? Yes, that's correct. Uh, and we're talking to her about her company, Elements Truffles, um, which we've been enjoying uh, quite a lot of. Um, Alec, uh, you have so much news. You've had a, a, a reset, uh, travel, um, You've redesigned your packaging. How did you end up in in this business? (laughs) Uh, That's a great question. And first and foremost, uh, thank you so much for um, having me here. It's truly an honor. And going back to how I got into it, um, honestly, there was no um, real plan or something that I had, you know, thought about doing. Uh, It was all kind of how it started was I was working as a trader on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the job was fulfilling at one level because there were always always challenges and I enjoyed the aspect of problem solving. But one thing I did notice was that I did not want to talk about work outside of work. You know, there Mm -hmm. were very clear boundaries between the two. And it was not something that was driven by my heart. You know, that I was passionate always about food and especially desserts, whether it's consuming them or making them. <laughs> Do you and know how many people so, left Wall Street to start making cookies and chocolate? And <laughs> I've heard there are a lot because when yeah, we first started, it's like, you're following the trend. So it looks like, you know, Wall yeah. Street is to be thanked for uh, creating such uh, innovative and great small businesses that are um, following their heart and passion for sweet stuff. <laughs> so but go ahead with your story. So you decided that what you yeah, really love. So, yeah, and my inner voice kind of, you know, kept on telling me, okay, you need to really follow your passion. And my mind would say, oh, you know, you're just too bored. So you want to try something new. Once you try that, you're going to get bored with that too. There's no such thing as passion. But, you know, my inner voice was relentless. And I think um, I have to kind of give credit to my daily meditation practice that kind of really amplified 
that inner voice and made it so resilient and so strong that um, I had no choice. Uh, I could not ignore it anymore. And I thought to myself, you know, if I don't do this now, I might have to live with a regret all my life. And mm-hmm. so let me jump into this and see what happens. So that's kind of what was my trigger to leave <laughs> Wall Street and jump into <laughs> my passion. But, but Jersey City was itself a new adventure, right? You, you, you're not originally from Jersey City. No. Um, so I'm an immigrant. Um, I uh, grew up in India and I uh, came to the United States for my um, education and I came on the West Coast um, and I spent part of my life on the West Coast and then on the East Coast. So, um, yeah, I'd already charted into completely unfamiliar grounds um, when I was 21, uh, when I left home to come to a completely new country. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, now, when you were at home in India, um, did you come from a food-loving family? No. So, um, of course, coming from India, um, you know, I think food is central to to everything we did, right? Whether yes. and probably this is a this is a universal thing, um, whether it's a celebration or you know the family coming and sitting together at the table and having those conversations, or even when things were not going well, you know, you would always go to food. But as far as business, my parents um, are doctors and. Um, you know, even beyond like my grandparents or great-grandparents, nobody had re- ever worked um, in the food business. But I do feel that if my grandmothers um, had the platform that I have today, they probably would have been excellent uh, food entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. Uh, so they yeah. were, they, I think a lot of these recipes and things that I'm able to do is a gift from them. Right. Well, you know, I mean, we we deal with so many um, people in in the food and hospitality industry who are actually their their roots are in India, so it has to be central to the culture. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Now, um, you you pick the niche, which is jam packed with competition. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but your product is different. The the reason you chose uh, to deal with chocolates is why. That's an excellent question, and um, even I ask myself this question sometimes because um, when I jumped into chocolate, it was purely because my heart said so. Right, me and my husband we did zero research. Um, in terms of, okay, how big is this market? How many brands are out there? Chocolate had been so central to so many things in our life. Like if you ask my husband, you know, what dessert he wants, he wants chocolate flavor of any dessert. That how, that's how he picks his dessert. And that's Kushal? Uh, yes, Cushel. that's Kushal, yes. Yeah. And um, for me, I feel, you know, growing up, there were a lot of memories around chocolate where, 
my father would travel abroad and he would come back um, and he, that bag filled with chocolates and that joy on our face. And <laughs> even as I worked on Wall Street, I would always have a bar of chocolate, you know, in my drawer as, as a pick-me-up, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I think somewhere I had a dream that I wanted to have a little chocolate shop where people could come melt their worries away as they indulged um, in chocolates, right? So it was truly a dream or a passion that led us to chocolate. And soon we realized, you know, two or three years into the business that, oh, my God, there are actually walls of chocolate that exist in grocery stores. And, <laughs> and, and, and how are we exactly going to stand out? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't really, there, there wasn't much research done to do it. Uh, but um, I feel, like you said, I think our chocolates do stand out just because, you know, they're so clean. Um, they're one yeah. of the very few uh, chocolates out there that are actually sweetened with raw honey, uh, which I didn't know when I started this. Um, and what we're really trying to do with our product is, you know, creating this culture around honoring your cravings, making indulgence joyful and guilt-free, and using the science of Ayurveda um, to kind of share. Tell us about that because a a lot of listeners may not know the essential uh, principles and foundation of Ayurveda. Can you tell us what some of those are that are important? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, not going into too much detail, you know, Ayurveda is a 5,000-year-old food science, um, mm-hmm. kind of a sister science to yoga. You know, I feel yoga, now everybody understands what it is, and Ayurveda is something that is slowly catching up. And the simple um, fundamental behind this science is all about balance. What the science talks about is that we don't really need to deal with do's and don'ts in our life. You know, you don't need the rigidity. But what you really need to understand is, one, yourself, your blueprint. What kind of person are you? What are your surroundings like? And what is, like, in what environment you are? So, for example, as for Ayurveda, there are three traditional blueprints, if you may say it. They're called doshas, which is vata, pitta, Kapha. So vata is when the air element is dominant. So this is reflective of personalities where, you know, people can easily multitask, do a lot of things, but they cannot stay focused on one thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitta dosha is something where the fire element is dominant. So this is like, you know, your perfectionist out there, or if you can get easily hangry, as in if you're hungry, you need to be fed, otherwise, you know, you know exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And then there is kapha, where the, that's the earth element um, is dominant. So this is where, you know, somebody who is very easygoing, but is also a very loyal friend that will always be by your side. So this is a very high level uh, insight into the three uh, blueprints that you, each one of us may have. And some of us mostly have a combination of one or two of these doshas in us. So, and then also understanding the seasons, right? So, for example, fall is the time when the vata or the air element is dominant. That's when the leaves dry up, there's wind in the air. 
So now if you are a vata dominant person and it's the fall season, you really need to focus on eating grounding food. So this is the time when you eat food that grows underground. So that's why we eat sweet potatoes, beets. So the whole science talks about understanding your blueprint, understanding your environment, and then listening to your body and eating foods that help you keep your body in balance when it comes to these three doshas. I see. And is that too much? Or? <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to ask you to, uh, and I know it's not enough time, but um, ask you how these principles actually, how your chocolates relate to these principles. Absolutely, yes. And so what we thought was, you know, this was a science that was part of our lifestyle growing up. Like every meal uh, that was on the table was always balanced with the right kind of vegetables, proteins, spices that would help you keep all these elements, the five elements that Ayurveda is based upon, in balance. But I never appreciated it. And then we came to the U.S. I ran into some health issues. And I honestly, I started doing a simple thing was just becoming friends with my body. Because for a long time, I was kind of, you know, pushing my body, asking it to do things that was probably, it was not in a position to, which led me to the state where I was in. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start listening to my body. And when I started listening to my body, I realized that your body actually communicates with you. And my lifestyle started moving to this Ayurvedic lifestyle um, that I had growing up but never valued it. Mm. Because growing up, I only saw Ayurveda as, okay, wellness stuff in supplement bottles, whether it's turmeric or shatavari or ashwagandha. It was never something that was looked as a lifestyle or something that was communicated as you can have it in your life and live your life to the fullest. So that's when we thought, okay, we really want to bring the science of Ayurveda to people, not just as a supplement, but as a lifestyle. And what better way to bring it than wrap it in a bar of chocolate, because chocolate is looked at as an indulgence, as something you shouldn't be eating too much of, or you shouldn't be eating, you should feel guilty after. But here we're going to give you a bar of chocolate that is kind of made with the principles of Ayurveda in place, which is from ethical and fair trade sourcing, to very simple, clean ingredients and infused with Ayurvedic herbs and spices, which are not only going to help you now, but help you educate on those spices so that you can bring them in your day-to-day life in whatever form you want to consume them. Well, how, how did you actually translate that into an actual, um, it's actual chocolate bars? <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> That's a very good question because, ironically, uh, my husband and I, we were talking about um, some of the recipes and I was explaining how, you know, the honey needs to be emulsified and the cacao butter. And he's like, but how exactly did you come up with this recipe? (laughs) And when you ask me like that, honestly, I feel it's a gift. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have a logical answer to how that happened. I spent hours in the kitchen. I would play around with different ingredients. Um, I had a strong intention. And I feel this was just meant to be. 
right? So it wasn't anything where I can say, no, I studied this or I really read this book. It was a probably a amalgamation of a lot of things, whether it's having seen my mom cook, having seen my grandma use certain spices. And um, I'd also spent some time as, a, like as an intern while I was working on Wall Street. I interned at a French bakery on weekends and evenings where I learned a lot about what it takes to make um, food in a commercial kitchen. So probably somewhere around, like, you know, combining all those and the science of Ayurveda is what led me to this recipe. Now, is, is, is chocolate a big thing in Indian cuisine generally? I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't recall ever really running across that, but you must have had some kind of clue that chocolate was You're important. absolutely right. Yes, and so, no, chocolate was... Not a huge thing in the Indian culture. Of course, uh, Cadbury was a very um, well-known brand. And often, you know, chocolate was used synonymous to Cadbury. Like people would say, oh, I want to eat a Cadbury. You know, it would not Uh be, I want to eat a chocolate. That's how people um, thought of chocolate. But it wasn't really the go-to dessert or it wasn't part of our cooking. And that's where you see some of the inspiration of the flavors, like we have a rose cardamom chocolate bar, which is very much inspired by some of the Indian desserts, because if you have any Indian dessert, it will have an element of either cardamom or rose in it. Right. Um, And ice cream, too, because I remember a a friend had a a creative um, ice cream making shop, and he used to sort of cornered the, the local market in Indian weddings with um, his cardamom ice cream. Yes, yes, yes. Ice cream was a big part of the culture for sure, yes. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us about some of the other products. I mean, so the we have, yeah, so we have um, about 11 skews in the chocolate bars, and then we also have a drinking chocolate mix. Now, this is something that was kind of, Um, again inspired by um, our travels uh, to Europe and my husband would always, Kushal would always enjoy this rich dark chocolate, right? That is, Mm -hmm. it comes in a small espresso cup but it it almost tastes like melted chocolate and every time he would be here and he would open up a packet of Swiss Miss or something, he would be very disappointed because it wasn't as chocolatey as he wanted it to be. And so that's when I started understanding about cacao and how those things were made. And that kind of inspired our dark drinking chocolate mix, which is made actually from the cacao bean. So the chocolate liqueur, which is just nothing but the nibs being ground into a paste. Right. And that has cacao powder. It has the cacao fat. And that's what gives it that thick, luscious texture. Um, and so we made the drinking chocolate uh, sweetened with coconut sugar and adding, again, some of the herbs and spices like ashwagandha, turmeric. And we recently launched a rose um, drinking chocolate mix as well because our rose cardamom bar was loved by so many. Yeah, we tell had to tell bring us it. about the rose cardamom. That, was that like one of the first you did? Yes. So when I, we first started, I started with four flavors. It was rose cardamom, sea salt, 
raspberry, and orange. And this was seven years ago uh, when we showcased this product at a uh, flea market uh, in Williamsburg, New York. And I just feel very happy that those four flavors are still very much part of our line and loved by all. Right. And, and what kind of feedback do you get? Do people claim that they're, they feel healthier or, or that they just enjoy the, the quality of the chocolate or what? So a couple of feedbacks that have actually stayed with me is one of the feedbacks I get is, oh, I feel so happy. Like these oh, really? chocolates make me happy. And that really um, kind of means a lot to me because there is a very strong intention behind the chocolates we make. Um, we play these ancient sounds in our manufacturing kitchen, um, which um, have a, a positive impact, uh, like which are positive vibrations. And like what, uh, what, what do they like? They are these uh, Vedic chants. They are in Sanskrit. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and um, when any time you even listen to them or you play them in the background, it kind of it's meant to uplift um, the consciousness around you. And so while it's a very subtle aspect of what we do, it was something that was very important for us when we started it. And the whole thing was okay to infuse positivity and happiness um, into the products we're making because in, at the end of the day, you are what you eat, right? And mm -hmm. they often say that the state of your mind carries through in the food uh, that you bring to the table. And so this was our way of ensuring that, you know, the place where the chocolates were made um, was in this kind of positive vibrational space. Um, and the products are delivered with that intention of love, heaven, and happiness. So that is one of the feedbacks. And I think the second one I get a lot is like, oh, my goodness, like the texture is so silky, like it just melts in my mouth. And I think that's the magic of honey and cacao butter because both of those ingredients, um, are they melt at our body temperature. And so when you leave that bar of chocolate or that piece of chocolate in your mouth for just a few seconds, immediately it starts melting. And that's, that's a beautiful experience. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I eat, my, I, I eat my chocolate that way sometimes. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody no, told you, me, I eat your chocolate like candy, which means they actually don't chew on it. They, they just let it be in the mouth. And I thought that's an interesting way to share with people. That's that, exactly yeah, how I do it. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, you, you you discovered from the business end that your packaging was very important, and you recently yes. redid your packaging. What were your your goals in in redoing the packaging? What were you aiming for? I'm by the way, I'm loving all your questions. It's like it's so you you're spot on in kind of even understanding like what's going on in our minds. <laughs> uh, but so, yes, so from day one, we realized that, you know, for us to stand out, we needed to have um, good packaging, right, so that people would 
be like, oh, this looks good. And the mm-hmm. packaging is what had to communicate um, what we looked like. And so initially we started with the, the craft packaging with cloth stitched on it. And I think our packaging has been loved by everybody. But one of the biggest feedbacks we got was that as we started expanding our line into more and more stores, we realized that the craft packaging was not something that you know pulled the customer to them because it got lost among all the other packaging mm-hmm. that was kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. And so we went through the rebranding with the intention of really um, bringing that element of color and joy that the bar of chocolate brings to you. So that was the, the biggest uh, kind of source of us going through a rebranding exercise. Um, and so now you will see that each color actually represents the flavor around it. So the orange is a pastel orange, the peppermint is a pastel green, um, the rose is a pastel pink. And yeah. so the whole idea is that it kind of wants you to pick it up and take it with you. So. Um, and we launched it for the first time at the Expo West, um, the biggest uh, kind of food show, natural food show in Los Angeles. And we are very happy um, with the feedback we've received. Great. Um, now, who has your marketing strategy? I mean, like what customer are you really looking for? You're looking for somebody who understands in depth the your, your mission or, or what just what do you emphasize when you're marketing? I think our goal is honestly to get to anybody who cares about um, what they're putting in their body or yeah. anybody who is on their journey, uh, on their wellness journey, whether it's inner well-being or outer well-being. Um, because that is what we are trying to share uh, with people mm-hmm. is that well-being can be simplified. Well-being does not mean you cannot indulge. Um, and well-being only results, like well-being is not about being strict and not allowing yourself things, but being in the moment and enjoying life. Right. Well, you, you certainly, you, you've tackled a, a major problem here. Um, with, <laughs> how, how how does anybody get a hold of of the um, your product? So uh, of course we have our website. It's elementstruffles.com. dot right. uh, You can also find our products on Amazon and in stores. Uh, we are in four regions of Whole Foods, which would be the Northeast. Uh, Mid-Atlantic, Pacific Northwest, and Northern California. And then there are a lot of other independent stores across over um, 2,000 plus independent stores across the U.S. that we are in. And you have Um, this on your website with a store locator and stuff? Yes, it is. So the store locator kind of is a very dynamic uh, place because each store may carry certain items, so it's not the best representation. Yeah. So, are you pleased with how everything's going, Alex? <laughs> you know, that's a very good question. I think I can tell you that I go to bed every day with a smile on my face. Um, oh, great. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it's been easy or there, has, oh, there haven't been struggles. Easy. 
or I have have not had my doubts. Um, but there is something very satisfying about being able to do something where you can truly make an impact, um, whether it's through your products and through the profits you make. Um, and I think that is that is extremely um, satisfying. Um, where I don't know, it's just about yes, okay, today was a good day because. <laughs> we were able to do X, Y, Z. And it could be very small, but still it's much better and much more than what I did in my previous life. And, and your, your husband is shoulder to shoulder in this venture? 100%, yes. But first, you know, he was shoulder to shoulder, but he was all behind the scenes. Um, and finally he's realized that uh, he doesn't have a way out, and so <laughs> now it's... It, 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 it's, it's official that we are both shoulder to shoulder in this. <laughs> well, uh, I, I find this conversation just absolutely wonderful and amazing uh, with you, Alec, and I'm glad that we talked about it. And I wish you much continued success. I mean, it's a product that can only grow in popularity and, and the market. So um, I wish you continued success in, in expanding and um, good luck for everything and all the uh, the events you go to with they're very demanding those food shows I know yes yes absolutely they, but I'm so grateful I feel that really it's the support of the community and well wishes like yours that keep us going on the tough days and I wish you could see the smile on my face as you were kind of you know, wishing us the very best because that's all that matters. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, and hello to Kushal. Yes, thank you so much. It was just wonderful talking to both of you. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you shut it down, Rabbit? Rabbit? Yes. Did you shut it down? <laughs>